oh my gosh, I kid you not, but there's a unicorn walking down the street right now. How perfect that uh, a guy in a unicorn onesie should happen by right as we're <laughs> right as we're starting our interview. There are no accidents. <laughs> Absolutely not. Ready to have a deeper conversation about body and soul, sacred leadership, and our collective evolution? Welcome to the Wise Body Ancient Soul Podcast with me, your host, Cherise Sisu. I am so excited and delighted to welcome today's guest, Ron Matthews, um, who is the creator of The Science of Miracles. And I'm going to let him tell you all about that. But um, before, uh, before we dive in, I just want to give you a little background um, on our amazing guest today. So Ron is a martial arts master. Uh, he has practiced and taught since 1972. Um, and in his professional career, and this is the part that I love, um, Ron was an engineer and physicist working for MIT Draper Laboratories, Cisco Systems, so big prestigious names, right? Um, he was technical need for Raytheon's Electromagnetic Environmental Effects Group. Say that 10 times fast. Um, and uh, his, his, intense, <laughs> his intense interest in martial arts and in particular, the development of the mysterious energy known as chi um, led him to apply this energy in some extraordinary ways in the areas of health, healing, and personal transformation. I can't wait to learn more about the science of miracles, a reliable and repeatable method for transmuting thoughts of your most cherished desires into physical reality. How do you go from engineer to the science of miracles, like and where you are now? Well, first of all, I want to thank you, Therese, for having me on. This is a real honor for me. Thank you so much. Um, and before I start, I have to tell your audience, I'm from Boston. And so I tend to talk fast. So if I start to go really fast, just go like this and let me know to slow it down. So um, it wasn't so much going from mm. uh, being a scientist to being a mystic. It was I always was. Um, yeah. I was born with this ability this blessing or curse, depending on how you see it, of being able to think out of both the right and left hemispheres of my brain at the same time. Mm. And I thought everybody could do that. And that caused a lot of acrimony in my life because people like us tend to scare people just because of our presence. And I was the victim of violence as a child and blah, blah, blah. Mm. The usual story for people like us. Um, because you were really sensitive, I would imagine. Yeah, always had been, always had been. And that was the reason I was drawn to the martial arts, was as a matter of, of survival at first. Okay. And, um, and then fell in love with the idea of this, in, this mysterious energy. Anything that is deemed mysterious, that's where I have to go. You know, and if you tell me I shouldn't go there, that's like waving a red flag at a bull. Um, yeah, try and, and stop me. Sure. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so um, as I was being educated in the world of physics and, and higher mathematics, I saw this exquisite divine tapestry unfolding. Everybody else was, was suffering with the math, and I was thinking, oh, my God, this is the blueprint of the universe. This, how cool is this? 
And so that was how I made my bread and butter. I, I still had, I ran two martial arts schools at night. Um, that was my passion. And I worked during the day as an engineer. I was Clark Kent, you know, during the day. I'd go into the phone booth and turn into Super Geek. And um, about, oh God, around 2005, I had the good fortune of uh, becoming acquainted with Donna Eden, who is a world-famous energy healer and actually went through a, a two-year training with her. That's and great. what Donna did more than anything else for me was to give context to what I was already doing. Mm. And so it gave me a language for talking about why I could remove bruises from my students with my hands. And I thought, well, everybody can do this. You know, this is, you can do this too, right? And they were like, no. Well, the um, thing is, we can. We can. We can. We always have been able to. We have been taught to forget. We've been taught to believe. And I tell people this and they get really rankled, which makes me so happy. Um when I do that, but the media has been deployed for the past 50 years to inculcate a culture of stupidity, gullibility, and cowardice into the mainstream thought process. And so we have been falsely led to believe that we are way less than we actually are. One of my favorite quotes is from the nephew of Muhammad, the prophet of Islam. His name was Ali. Ali said, this is a quote. Dost thou reckon thyself but a puny form when within thee the universe is enfolded? Mm. Oh, I just got like a flush over my yeah. scalp. That yeah. we're, we're just taught that we're powerless. You yeah, know what I it's mean? True. It's true. And um and it's it, it's it's too just kind of like so that we forget because should we know, like as Ali says, like it, the power that we hold within us. Um, I, I, you mentioned this before that like most of us, we come in with this stuff, but then as we leave childhood, you know, it's like, I, 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 I feel like there was a really specific moment where I was like, well, time to leave childish things behind and be an adult now. And being an adult meant putting on this suit, you know, someone other than who, we than are. who yes. I was yes, that's so right. that I could fit in. Right. That's right. So I, I'd love to hear more about, um, you know, whatever you're willing to share about what it was like to be that kid, you know, living in, 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 in and from both sides of the brain. Well, I can intuitively learn to hide because I was always being beaten up. I was the kid in your school who got beat up every day. Um, that was me. And, um, so I had to learn to survive. And that was a blessing because the blessing led me to the martial arts, which led me to so many other things. Uh, but what I, you know, what I wanted to talk about, if I may pivot with your permission yeah, yeah, sure, to sure. Uh, master the science of miracles, which is the name of the system yeah. that I created. And it's taken me a long time to say that and say, I created this, you know, because um but I did. I mean, that was, and in doing that, I, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But through the work of a, a very obscure author whose name was uh, Max Freedom Long, he wrote a book called The Secret Science Behind Miracles. And I read that book 20 times if I read it once. And there was something in there that it once intrigued me at the same time I said he's missing something here he just there's something he's not seeing 
And so I began to reconstruct what he was doing and had moderate success, so-so success. You know, I was helping some people. Some people had no effect at all. And I just shrugged it off as well. That's, you know, that's like anything else. You know, there's the 80-20 rule. So, um, and then I, I realized that something Max was talking about, he himself did not understand. And that was the, the, the dance with energy. He was watching this happen. He was watching people doing these, the Hawaiians. He was, on, he was an English teacher on Hawaii. Okay. Um, he was watching the kahunas do these practices that involved intense breathing mm. and gesticulations with their, with their hands. And then when they would, after a time of doing this, they would engage in these, these treatments, for lack of a better word, that resulted in things that we would call miraculous. Yeah. You know, healing a broken bone in 10 minutes. And it suddenly hit me that what he was seeing was he was seeing a derivative of a Chinese practice called Qigong. Hmm. Um, you all heard, I'm sure your audience has heard of the, of the show from the 70s called Kung Fu. And then Kung Fu became a, a word that meant that to, the popular vernacular meant Chinese martial arts. Well, Kung Fu just means high skill. So oh, you could okay. be a, you could be a florist and have, you could have Kung Fu in your, in your flower arranging. So Qigong is the skill of developing this internal energy, this internal power. And I thought, so I'm yelling at Max. I'm yelling at him saying, why didn't you consider this Qigong? Even though he died in 1971, um, it hit me that what he was seeing was a derivative of that. And the other thing Max described in his books was going to a quiet mental state in order to send your thought form to what they term your high self. Mm. And so I dove in more deeply and I said, okay, I'm going to be very brave here. and I'm going to sweep what Max believed off the table. I'm going to plug in what I know of Qigong. Now, I practiced Qigong for 50 years. Um, and I'm going to use some of the methods of Jose Silva, who was the person that developed the Silva method, Silva mind control, Silva ultramind. And when I did that, what happened left me in slack-jawed awe because the results were scary. They were so good, they were scary. And I thought, okay, this is something. And so yeah. I wrote everything down I could think of about this. And it's a book. I haven't published it. I'm gonna, I have to rewrite it. Um, but I wrote it, and I said, okay, before I, I bring this to the world, I've got to vet this and make sure that what I am seeing, what I'm seeing happening from the things I'm doing aren't just a, a fluke. They aren't sure. just one of those things that you hap it happens and you go, well, that was just a one-off. That was a nice coincidence. So I began bringing a number of people through the whole system. Yeah, I would. So you're like, it's like you're connecting the dots between all these different pieces, like seeing the things that some of these authors couldn't see themselves or connecting the dots with the energy, right. with the martial right. arts. Um, what were, so you said left you slack jawed and awe, like what were some of those, um, what did you, what did you witness? I witnessed a person who was exhibiting the symptoms of a post-surgical bowel blockage because of scar tissue. And 
after one treatment, the next day, her symptoms vanished. Wow. And the person was my, is my wife. Um, she had had rad- a radical um, appendectomy, you know, mm-hmm. where nowadays appendectomies are done laparoscopically. Where they, go, they go in, you know, with their fiber optic scope and their, yeah. their remote control scalpels, and they do it that way. Hers burst. Her appendix burst. Oof. And so they did a whole open bowel surgery. And as a result of that, in the following year, uh, she developed a bowel blockage because of scar tissue. So I talked to the surgeon after the operation. I said, how likely is it that this is going to happen again? He said, very likely. Very likely. Now, this was before I had met Donna. Yeah. And before I had started on this journey of what has become the science of miracles. And so two years later, she was beginning to exhibit the same symptoms again. And I thought, okay, this stops hearing now. And so I said, okay, I'm going to try this. If it doesn't work, then we'll go back to the hospital. The symptoms are severe. When you have a, a bowel blockage caused by something like that, it is severe. Yeah. And she was exhibiting these symptoms and she was scared. And I said, before we go any, do anything, let me try something. And she said, go, do it, please. And the next day, she was completely symptom-free and has remained symptom-free ever since. That's fantastic. The other thing was, I was treating a, a person with an energy medicine client of mine. She had been with me for a while. I get, I get a text from her, and she said her girlfriend's husband, who had been, he was a retired fire chief in Western Canada, um, he'd been in a rollover accident and was in a coma. Whoa. And she said... The, the the strange thing is, according to the doctors, his EEG says he should not, there's no reason why he should be in a coma. She said, is there anything you can do? And I said, I don't know, but I'll try. So I did what I do. I projected myself to him. Now, for those in your audience who aren't comfortable with this conversation, you may think I'm crazier than a one-eyed rat in a tin outhouse. But um, uh, I... I uh, perceived that his energies were not patterning the way they, patterning the way they should. Mm. If you could see energy, if you could see your aura, see my aura, yeah. you would see that, that it's made up of a kaleidoscopic pattern of these crisscrossing, very, very symmetric, very beautiful energies. Mm. That's a harbinger of health. When we are sick or when we're under duress, those energies tend to deviate from that pattern. They, they go straight up and down. It's called homolateral mm. energy patterning. Mm. And this guy was homolateral. So I did some work on him to reestablish his energies, brought myself back to the present, went back to work. 20 minutes later, I get a text from my client. She said, Marty just woke up. Wow. So I thought, well, that's weird. Okay, that's a slack-jawed awe. Uh, moment. And my son used to be a professional psychic. So I called him and I said, did I do this? And he said, yeah, you did. What's the problem? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so those are just a couple of the more dramatic ones. Um, others of them have been less dramatic, but no less impactful for the person. Sure. sure. Um, when I talk about the high self, you know, in, the, in all the holy books of the world, the Bible, the Bhagavad Gita, well, not the Bhagavad Gita, but um, 
major holy books talk about us as being created in the image and likeness of the creator of all that is, whether you call it God or Yahweh or Allah, doesn't matter what you call it because it's beyond our comprehension anyway. So call it whatever you want. Our high self is a perfect, a perfect replica, a perfect image of that, reflection of that in the temporal world. Analogous to the way the sun appears in a mirror. If you hold a mirror up to the sun, is the sun in the mirror? No, of course it's not. The sun's 93 million miles away. It's a thousand times bigger than the earth. However, if you look at the image of the sun in the mirror, it will blind you just as surely as if you looked at the sun. Yeah. And in that way, our high self is that reflection. Mm. The 19th century prisoner in exile whose name was Abdu'l-Bahá said that that part of us is the ray of the sun of reality. Now, if you follow that line of reasoning, that is an entity which loves us beyond our ability to comprehend. Mm -hmm. If you think of the person or persons that loved you in your life beyond your ability to deserve, you know, regardless of how, whatever you had thought you had done in your life that made you bad, they still loved you. It didn't matter. They still loved you. Now, multiply that by 100,000. Right. And you begin to have just an inkling of what that self is. It always is with us, always wants to participate in our life, but we have to ask it to. And learning to, how to ask is the key. And so one of the, the, the instances was a young woman I was working with when I was first bringing people through this. And so I taught her how to, she said that she had never, when she meditated in the morning, she was never able to get into that meditative state. So I showed her a 30-minute process. I just do this once a day for 30 days and you'll be good, right as rain forever. And so she contacted me and she said, Rod, I think I'm going nuts. And I said, well, okay, can you give me a, a, Some give context. a, little, more, yeah. a little more information? <laughs> more, more words, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she said, whenever I go into meditation and I begin focusing on my desired outcome and loving it as though it's my, my dearest beloved, yeah. I'm suddenly in a situation where my eyes are just flowing with tears and I'm overcome with gratitude and joy and love. And I said, well, congratulations, my darling. You have been in intimate contact with your high self. Yeah. That you have graduated, go forth and conquer, <laughs> set the world ablaze. Um, <laughs> and that is really the essence of what Master the Science of Miracles is. It is recognizing that we are not a body with a brain. We are, in fact, three beings in one. Three beings in one. So if you were, to, if you were a student of psychology, you would be familiar with the work of Freud and Jung, who talked about the subconscious and the, and the conscious minds, and Freud, uh, sorry, Jung, even uh, postulated the collective superconscious. The kahunas, who are a, yep. they are descendants, the, the Polynesian mystics are descendants of a, of a society that existed at least 10,000 years ago. And um, they were able to vanquish or to eliminate poverty, illness, and conflict or aggression from their society because 
of their understanding of the triune nature of the human experience. And so we have this conscious self, which nominally is our brain. You know, that's the part of us that thinks linearly, it does algebra, it has ideas, that's the big one, it has ideas, it creates possibilities, it balances the checkbook, it does all that stuff, linear thinking confined to the five physical senses. Then the subconscious is, is a very enigmatic part of us. And, you know, Candace, the late Candace Pert in her book, uh, Molecules of Emotion, pointed mm-hmm. out that the subconscious is actually distributed throughout our physical body. Yes. And that consciousness is actually expressed through the energies in our bodies, the meridians, the chakras, the aura in particular. There are others, but I don't want to digress. Sure. So the subconscious administers and controls every involuntary function in our bodies, our heartbeat, our blood pressure, our digestion, movement of lymph, growth and decay of cells, everything. Everything is done by the subconscious. It happens beneath our conscious awareness. And it, it, is, the, it is the part of ourselves that drives the bus of our lives. Exactly. It drives exactly. the bus. Exactly. It's the, it's the, it's the invisible driver. Very often for so much of us, we'll, we'll just be going through life, not aware of our driver's agenda. That's right. It's done because that subconscious is affected by so many things. Right. I love listening to you because it's like, it's literally like a a reading list. (laughs) And then this piece, and then this piece, and then this piece. And I think, um, you know, it, it really goes beyond connection to um, synthesis, right? I, I find that um, so many of the folks that I'm drawn to, because I'm of this generation as well, it's like the bridge generation, right? Like we are bridging um, from where we've been on this timeline to where we're going, right? And, and that really requires bringing together um wisdom traditions, lineages, um, some ancient pieces along with new pieces, right? It's mostly remembering stuff that we did. That's right. That's right. Um, and, but then being able to translate it for modern day human. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, what you're describing is like, that's, it's exactly, it's exactly that. So the subconscious, the, it remembers everything we have experienced from, from birth until the present time. Everything. Even the things that we're not consciously aware that we were exposed to, your subconscious stores them. And it has the mental capacity, the mentation, to use the fancy word, of a younger sibling, a nine or ten-year-old sibling who desperately wants to please, wants to be of service, can be moody and a royal pain in the backside. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Ron. <laughs> no, of course not. Neither do I. I have no idea. It's sort of like inner child a little bit, like this. Well, I think the inner child movement was a gesture towards that. That person was onto something, but I think it's much more than what this person was expressing because our subconscious is the sole and primary channel of access between our conscious self and our divine self, only through the subconscious, only through the subconscious can your 
your intentions, your desired outcomes be delivered to your what I call your transcendent self, the part of ourselves that transcends physical reality. And so because the subconscious can be moody and can it holds on to all memories, both positive and negative. Sure. Would this include, because as you're speaking, I'm thinking this would include past lives as well, because as that, you know, as that connection with our higher self, with that part of us that is eternal, with um, our divine self, right? That That's a very long, you know what I mean? Well, long. It's timeless. What is it's time? time and space. Time, but yeah. Right. It's timeless. Exactly. And so, yes, very much your, all of our ancestral experiences are coded in our DNA. Yes. They're coded in our DNA here and now. You are speaking my language. Yes. I, yes. I hear you, sister. <laughs> <laughs> let, let the choir say amen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this is like, um, it's, it's, it's this intricacy that for me is like, you know, how, just um it all comes together with the body with the you know what i mean with the subconscious the conscious the, all of that just the um the tapestry like you were saying is so complex and beautiful but okay keep going <laughs> so because the subconscious can get triggered by stuff yeah. memories or things that are going on we may find a situation where we try to send our intention through our subconscious self, through our high self, and the door slams shut. And so this is where dousing comes in really handy. Mm. Because I use my pendulum to interrogate my subconscious. And so the first time this happened, I mean, I'm pretty good at keeping my channels open. And I was doing something. I forget what I was, I was sending intention for. So I... I created my multi-sensory thought form, which is part of the process of the, of the Master of the Science of Miracle system. Mm -hmm. And I was ready to send it on a river of energy to my transcendent self, and nothing would move. And I thought, well, this is weird. Right. So I got my pendulum out, and I said, okay, this is not moving because of anger. No. This is not moving because of greed. No. This is not moving because of fear. Big time, yes. So I used a process I call the personal demon demolisher to eliminate whatever it was. Our, our personal demons are the things, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm too old, I'm too young, I don't have the degrees, whatever. It's all baloney. This is because of fear. So I worked on the fear. I cleared the fear. And when I tried to do it again, the energy flowed like a fire hose. Yeah. And so um, in that moment, I realized that this has to be an integral part of Master the Science of Miracles. Because when we, when we state, I'm going to do this, I'm going to, my reach is going to exceed my grasp. I'm going to do something that scares the bejesus out of me. Yeah. When we when we resolve to do that, it isn't a question of if, it's a question of when your subconscious is going to have a hissy fit and say no freaking way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that's why this whole process has to be codified in a step-by-step -step system because if you leave out one step, then the system breaks. Mm. 
and realizing that your subconscious wants to work with you, but is moody and has to be cajoled or, or complimented or whatever is a, a big wow. part of the process. And our subconscious is always trying to communicate with us, but guess what? It does not speak English. Or whatever your first language is, it does not speak that. It speaks a language of memories, of emotions, of imagination. So one of my mentors, his name is Rex Sykes, and Rex is one of the few people that Richard Bandler made a master trainer in NLP. And um, Rex says that you can use your emotions like the check engine light in your car. Yes. And what I mean by that is... They are messengers. Yes. Yes, they are. They are. Mm -hmm. They tell you something needs to be fixed or something needs to be attended to. And so um, imagine that you have created your the image of your your most cherished outcome, whatever it is. We all have them. Whatever it is you want to do to be or to have, you have created a mental video of that. And you're playing that in your head and gosh, I feel great. I'm on top of the world. And all of a sudden you find yourself hit with worry or dread or anger for no reason. It's like, where the heck did that come from? Mm -hmm. Well, that's your subconscious setting your check engine light saying, I need help. Right. I'm telling you, please pay attention to me. Mm -hmm. And all you have to do is give yourself a hug to begin with. I mean, that. This is such a powerful concept of loving yourself through your body. There was a 19th century prisoner and martyr whose name was Sayyid Ali Muhammad. And he said, and again, this is a quote. I love quoting a lot of people because they're all smarter than I am. Um, He said, observe with the eye of thine heart how the reality of thy being is the divinity of thy Lord revealed in thee and through thee. Thou art he himself, and he is thou thyself, except that thou art that thou art, and he is that he is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that'll give you tingle. That'll give you tingles for a week. Right. It's just a little light. Yeah. Yeah. So each one of your listeners your viewers, I want, I want you to right now point at yourself and say to yourself, I am divine. I am the creator falling in love with this creation every morning when I wake up and I see my creation. When you can look in the eyes of another person and see the creator in those eyes, then you've done your job. That's what we're here for. Well, I, you are, I, I love how you're putting this because like, I know the energy of the universe as love. It's unconditional love, right? That is that is the language. That's the energy. And just as we were talking about before, how there's sort of this whole structure that keeps us feeling powerless. But the other part of that is keeps us feeling unloved. Like this is another of the lies that we are told, taught, you know, from childhood to presence. It's just been passed down by folks who are like, that's what they were taught. So, you know, and so we're, we go through life just like, will you love me? Will you love me? And really, it's coming home to, oh, I love me. That's right. That's right. And so, so much of my own work has just been like, what are tools, reminders, ways to do that? Because when when we relax and just, you know, it sounds so simple, but it's like the when we relax and just allow the love. Exactly. Exactly. Right. It's no, like quite. the woman that you were talking about with the tears rolling down her cheeks in meditation. Like, am I going 
bonkers. Like (laughs) the love of the, the love of the universe, the love that we have within us all the time. Um, the love that we're capable of, the love that drives everything. And this is the thing to your point, it can be challenging depending on where you are on the path to look in the mirror and be like, I love you, divine creator. That's so important. That's so important. Mirror work is profound. It is. I, I remember one of my one of my mentors and guides is a a numerologist. I, I hope to have him on on the podcast. Actually, he was an uh, he was a professional football player who went no way you know, really. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and then ended up going way you know totally joining the Wu team. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can imagine he's this like big dude. He was talking about when he started working with mirror work and really looking at yourself in the eye, in the mirror. He said the first few times he couldn't even get the words out. His lip was shaking so hard. He was like on the verge of tears to really love ourselves the way that we are loved is I'm getting like full body chills. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is, it's profound. So it's like, it's something you can do. You know, we all stand in front of the mirror every day. We're brushing our teeth, we're washing our face. We're doing whatever, you know, washing our hands multiple times a day. It's an opportunity to just sprinkle in a little bit of this stuff, like just weave it in to your day to day and what you do every day. Because this, you know, like you said, it's like, it's these steps that as we do them, this is, you know, now we can really show up as the co-creators that we are. So we left off, you were talking about, um, I got you. I got you. Yeah. Syed Ali Muhammad and uh, yes. Yes. So, um, so what he said was a testimony to the fact that we are the divine. We are an expression of the divine. Each one of us. Now, (laughs) one of the things about the subconscious as powerful as it is, it is also extremely susceptible to suggestion, both ours and others. Both our own and others' suggestions, our subconscious is extremely susceptible to. Mm. I'm punctuating that because I want to give your viewers two gifts. Okay, One is to realize that your subconscious, my subconscious, all God's children's subconscious, takes every word we say as an imperative, mm. a command, a command. So an example that I use when I, when I give seminars is we use the death word way too much in our vernacular. Yeah. An, exa- an example is my, what, my birthday was the day before yesterday, and my wife took me out to this gorgeous meal for my birthday. And had I not know what I known, I would have told my friends, oh my God, that food was too Right. What's the die for? They're so important. Happy yes, birthday. Yes, they by are. The way. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um yes, I turned sixty eight. So fantastic. <laughs> um so your everything you say your subconscious takes as an imperative. Good and bad. So even though it may be uncomfortable for you to say, I love you to yourself in the mirror, do it anyway. Right. Do it anyway because your subconscious hears that. And whenever you hear someone 
or including yourself, including and especially yourself, say something like that food was to die for. Cancel, cancel. Cancel, cancel, right? Yes. It's one of my yes. favorite tools. Yes. Like, because we yes. all slip because we're surrounded yes. by it. I mean, I'm even thinking about, as you're saying that, like how words that we use to talk about success, like the, like, uh, uh, um, oh, I don't even want to say it, but like, oh, I, I, K-I-L-L did. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? It. And you're, and you're like, really? That's a word? <laughs> Is that, that's a good thing? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it depends, on, it depends on what you killed. You know? I'm supposed to be celebrating <laughs> that right now. And, and yet it's a part of our vernacular. Yeah, it is. It is. So it's, it, and it's so powerful because it's, um, yeah, it's like our words are incredibly important. I mean, I'm reminded of a story that um, Dr. Michelle Peel told on her uh, in, uh, in one of her talks and she's a powerful healer, amazing teacher as well. And she talked about having people on her table cause she's a naturopath, highly gifted for many, many years. And, uh, people would get on her tail table, be healed, sit up. And the first things out of their mouth, I can't believe it. I don't believe it. <laughs> and just like that, the healing would be reversed. And yeah, it, it, exactly, exactly. Like, this is the power of our word, right? This is why, you know, like when we talk about four agreements, integrity with your word, so key, um, so, so important. It, I, I, I love the weaving together of, of all the different mystics and, and wisdom traditions, because it's like, I feel, and I, I shared this with you, we've everyone's holding a piece of the medicine. Everyone is holding a yes. piece of the truth. And when we bring it all together, right. And we think of the way showers and the wisdom keepers and the, the folks who held onto this knowledge, some of them to their detriment, right. We talk about martyrs. We talk about people yeah, who absolutely. gave absolutely. up their lives That's to right. keep this wisdom and pass it forward so that you and I could today be able to embrace that and, and that's right it. that's right so yeah so our words are super super important our words are magic which is why they call it spelling magic yes that's right that's so great. when we find ourselves saying something less than resourceful immediately say out loud or, or mentally cancel cancel that's a cue to your subconscious to disregard what we just heard and then replace it with a more resourceful alternative. So when someone tells me, oh, my back is killing me, cancel, cancel. And I replace it with, oh, his back hurts really badly. Sure. The other thing is, when somebody asks you, hey, Sharice, how are you doing? I feel what great. do you say? Uh, I'll say, like, I'm great. I'm wonderful. The reason I ask that question is because, first of all, they don't want to know. Huh? First of all, they don't want to know how you are. They just do that because that's what we do. Right. So if somebody says to me, hey, how you doing? I say, yeah. oh, well, oh. I've got this crick in my neck, and uh, I, I woke up not feeling so good. And after the third thing you recite, you look at their eyes, and they're going, oh, my God, why did I ask? Please, Jesus, take me away. I was just um, being polite. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So in the 19th century, there was a very famous French psychiatrist named Emile Quay. Mm. And he taught his, his patients to every day when they got up 
to say to themselves, either out loud or silently, out loud is better because your subconscious hears you, every day and in every way, I'm getting better, better, and better. So when we signed on this morning before you, we before we started this interview, you asked me how I was. Do you remember what I said? No, but did you say that every day? I said better, and better and better. That's right, better and better. better. Yeah, better and better. Oh, because okay. when you say that, your subconscious takes that as an imperative. It begins to act on that. And when you say that again and again and again, yeah, your subconscious begins to go into a condition where it's looking for opportunities to make that true. Yeah. Even if you are laying on the operating table after a trauma, if somebody says to you, how are you? You say better and better. Now, I may die in five minutes, but I'm going to be better and better because I'm not going to suffer anymore. Right. So from now on, those are two arrows that your viewers can put in their quiver. Oh my goodness. Cancel, cancel, yeah. and better and better. I love so, it. Cherise, how are you? Oh, better and better all the time. That's what I thought you said. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about that is, you know, it's so, I, I, first of all, I love how you use the word resourceful, resourceful. How can we make this, you know, of source, but re like it's, and what I love about what you just did, cause I'm a, I'm a wordsmith. I'm a word person, right? So the difference between what I had said before, I feel wonderful. I feel great. It's, I mean, it's great. It's also like, static, right? When you yeah, say better, right. better, however, right. now it's also containing it's moving. that possibility it's moving. for more, which is like, all right. I like it. Okay, good. So bad things don't happen to us. They happen for us. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, uh, that for me has been one of the most profound shifts uh, in, in my own life uh, because, you know, like yoga came from a, just a lot of stuff as a kid. And for the first few decades, <laughs> it was like, it happened to me and, um, and I'll, I'll, never forget the moment where my higher self kind of cracked through. I was on the phone complaining yet again about my life to someone yet again. And, um, and almost, it wasn't like a voice, but it was just this knowing that was like, so this is it. This is, this is your <laughs> life. Like, this is what you're going to do with Seriously, like, dude. <laughs> like, it just like flashed on like all these gifts, all these, you know, and like, Oh, Oh, they really wanted me to pay attention. Wow. <laughs> wow. All these gifts, Sharice. And this is this is what you're doing with your life right now. You know, it was just they were just holding up a mirror is all they were doing. And I was like, oh. and you know what? It was like, yeah. At at what point do we even get bored of repeating the same uh uh? Uh, you know, the angsty stuff versus like, okay, when you say this, and for me, it's like, it opens up that curiosity too. like, okay, this is happening for me, right? Like this thing just fell off my shelf for me. I know why, because I was talking about, Sharice, you've been given all these gifts and are you using them? Right. <laughs> my, my, my board of directors, my guidance team is very happy 
they're like, okay, you're listening. You're catching the horror right now. <laughs> so yeah, our our words are incredibly important. All of the 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 chain of events, everything is so significant. Like there's a gift in everything. Um. Because, yeah, as I'm listening to you speak, it's like you were every text, every um, mentor, every teacher became like a gift that you were unwrapping. And then it's like, how does this fit in with the tapestry? So we were we were talking about the three bodies. I just want to bring us back because we um, we talked about the mental body. We talked about the emotion body, the subconscious. So that third body really is. Yeah, that, that is a part of us that I call it the transcendent self in my book yeah. and in my work because it transcends time and space. It transcends our understanding. There is no duality in that world. And that's a hard thing for people to, to wrap their heads around. And whether you can't, you can't. The, the transcendent self is timeless. It's, a, it's above and beyond egress and regress, entry and exit have no meaning because in that realm, in that realm where we are truly our true selves, everything else melts away and you and I are truly one. And that is one of the things that has been the most difficult for scientists, especially with the uh, implications of some of the discoveries and experiments that have been done in the past 50 years in the world of subatomic physics, because that is being pointed to again and again and again. And the most, the biggest joke that God played in recent times was the results of the double slit experiment. And uh, that was the experiment. I don't want to go into it because it's, it's kind of long and boring, but what basically cut to the bottom line, the result of the experiment depended on whether or not whether or not there was an observer someone observing a conscious entity observing now if you take that and you extrapolate on that you don't have to extrapolate too far before you come to the conclusion that the the fundamental currency of the universe is not the atom it is consciousness you basically teach people how to communicate with that higher self, that transcendent self through the subconscious, right? Um, and you have this methodology that you've tested, put together, you know, drawing from all of these different traditions um, so that it's, it's, it's just, just like practically infallible. Well, the, everyone who has gone through this system, who has been compliant, and by compliant, I mean they've done the work because there is work to be done. Absolutely. This is this is not a magic bullet where you take a pill and now you're enlightened. Quiet requires daily practice, determination, um, all those things that we know have to happen if we're going to make significant change. But every person who has gone through the system, who has done the work, has had a profound, I'm not overstating that one iota, has had a profound life-changing transformation. Whatever was their challenge in life, it was transformed. And they did the transformation. And so in order for this to be valid in any context, it had to be systematized in such a way 
that it is reliable and repeatable. Because if it's not, it's just a hodgepodge. You know, do some of this and do some of that and pray that something good happens. It, it, it can't be that. So there is a step-by-step process and you have to do each step. And none of the steps is difficult. They may be found to be weird or foreign to many people because we talk about focusing your attention on areas like the area below your navel because that's a major energy energy plexus. That's the place where we start. The energy that is developed there is the energy that fuels everything else, including and especially the heart. Now, when you talk about that energy center in the in the chakra system, would that be your second chakra? Yeah. Second chakra, yeah. In the Chinese system, in, Ch- in Qigong and in Taiji, it's the uh, lower Dantian. Dantian means sea of energy, S-E-A of energy. Um, and there are three. There's one below the navel, there's one at the heart, and there's one here, which is which is the sixth chakra, which is the, the uh, pineal gland. And so developing the energy, that's the energy of miracles is what I call it. Once you have that energy flows where attention goes. So as you develop this energy and you, I teach you how to create a multi-sensory thought form of your desired outcome. Multi-sensory means you include all your senses. So think of a time when you were among people that you loved and that loved you. Mm. You were happy, you were confident, everything was just firing firing on all cylinders. Okay? So if I asked you, if I said, Therese, Therese, please close your eyes and go back to that time and associate into it, relive that time, see the things you saw, hear the things you heard, feel the things you felt. As you do that, you are going to enter an altered state of consciousness where you've associated into that memory. When you do that, I then ask you to affirm that these things I'm feeling are part of me every bit as much as my eyes, my ears, my nose, my toes. Yes. And so I can can deploy them whenever I choose to. I was in that situation. It made me happy, so I chose to feel these things. When you understand that, you can take them with you and deploy them whenever you want them. Exactly. So now, take the thing you most desire and turn it into a movie you're watching on a movie screen in a theater of your life as it will be when you are in possession of that which you desire to do, to be, or to have. Mm. And then step into the screen and become it and love it like it's your most cherished loved one and feel all those things when you do that that becomes like rocket fuel for your thought form and when you do that every day it won't be long before that becomes your physical reality that's a law of physics every bit as much as the law of gravity only this is a law of metaphysics i think of it in terms of resonance right it's like that the resonance of that, that feeling, that connectedness, right? In our happiest moments, when we think of our like peak moments and knowing that we have access to that every time, I'm just kind of paraphrasing what I'm hearing you say, right? And then to bring that into co-creation, right? So 
Oh, I love that so much. I'm glad you used the word resonance because resonance is a physical quality or electric is a physical and electrical quality. That's why a guitar, acoustic guitar, is able to project the notes from the strings because it's tuned, acoustically tuned, to be resonant in those frequencies. We are, we are tuned spiritually and um, metaphysically tuned to be living in a state of grace. So when we enter that again, it resonates with our being. The state that most people find themselves in is out of resonance. And so it makes them feel less than divine. And we settle for that because we've been fed this lie that that is who we are. That's reality. That's a false reality. And I don't want to go into this because it takes some time, but investigate Project Zero from Harvard University. It started in the 70s. It's still going on. But that, you know, that basically showed the effects of what the Western education system on our true intelligence, both right brain and left brain. I believe that. You know, we started out talking about the kahunas, this sort of intelligence of connecting with the earth, the same um, knowingness that got schooled out of us, right? Basically, you know what I mean? And it was like, it was like severing this whole part of ourselves that was connected, connected with all that is that, you know, this is the same, the same knowledge that my ancestors were able to navigate all over the world, right? In, in, in their boats, the same, the same wisdom where, um, you know, Aborigines can find their way across completely unmarked territory because they know they feel it they're connected right and then we were kind of taught to view all of that stuff as backwards primitive old you know like you name it and uh that actually the you know the, the smarter way <laughs> is to view ourselves as limited <laughs> unlovable powerless <laughs> and, and separate and separate that's right. Easier to control. Bingo. That is the crux yeah. of the biscuit. Right. Right. Oh my gosh. So this has been just magical. There are so many moments that are like, oh, in that moment, in that moment, in that moment, like so many gems for me, for anyone listening or watching. Oh my gosh. So how can people connect with you if they want to learn more about the science of miracles, your work, uh, and how you're bringing it all together in a way that, you know, every person can, um, can, can be a mystic in a way, you know what I mean? Like, like, That's right. The goal. Making mysticism accessible. This is the That's time right. that we are in right That's now. That's right. So. The, um, it's learning to walk the mystical path with practical feet. Yeah. I love that. So, um, couple ways you can reach me. One is through my Facebook group. It's the Science of Miracles community. But, and that you can also reach me directly at ron at masterthescienceofmiracles.com. And I'm building my website as we speak, but it's a Herculean task because it's been 20 years since I built a website. So <laughs> I'm having to relearn a lot of stuff. Oh, sure. Sure. There's lots of new tools. So that's great. Facebook group, um, the Science of Miracles community. Correct. Or Ron at MasterTheScienceOfMiracles.com. Yes. And I'm, I'm on Facebook as Ron Matthews. So okay. Fantastic. I was on early enough, so I beat all the other Ron Matthews. Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> An early adopter. I love that's it. That's right. That's right. 
I was surprised there are so many of us by this name out there, you know. So. It's been an absolute pleasure. I it's been an honor. Thank you, Therese. Thank you so much. Um, any last pearl of wisdom before we hop on? Last pearl of wisdom. Yeah. Or if there's that one thing that you want people to remember from this conversation. The one thing that I want people to remember is that you are, you are an expression of the divine. You are. And so when you hug yourself, you're being hugged by the creator and treat it that way. That's who you are. That is at your root who you are. That's beautiful. Oh, I'm going to hug myself right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and sending a big hug to you too, Ron. Yeah, and you too. Thank you, Sharice. Thanks for joining me on Wise Body, Ancient Soul. I hope it reminds you how magical and powerful you truly are. Kindly subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so more juicy light bringers like you can hear these transmissions. And if you're looking to connect more deeply with your body and soul's wisdom, visit CherieSisu.com to learn how else we can play together. Here's to your joy and wild success from my heart to yours. I love you. Take what you need and pass it on.